Hi, welcome to Neuroverse, a podcast hosted by Clara and Carolina, where we discuss all matters from neuroscience to philosophy and beyond. Today's episode is on the neuroscience of awe. And by the end of this episode, I hope that you will understand and see why awe is one of the most powerful states of being. Ooh, I'm excited. Yeah, and so I came across this topic in an article about the feeling of awe and how it shapes our perception of the world and our behavior. And so I became really interested in what exactly awe is, how it influences us, and where it comes from. Yeah, so I want to start by briefly explaining what awe is. And I am certain that anyone listening will have experienced awe at some point in their life. And the sense of awe can be induced by being in an environment that is vast, by viewing something that is giant, like being in the mountains or by the ocean, uh, or discovering tiny worlds like looking under a microscope, which I'm sure many scientists who are listening can relate to, or contemplating something that is beyond ourselves through looking or listening to a piece of art. And our experiences are unique because they are what psychologists call self-transcendent, meaning they shift our attention away from ourselves and make us feel like we are part of something greater than ourselves. And so they change our perception of ourselves, our relationship with the world, with other beings, and um, also our perception of time. And all of these together have been shown to improve mental and physical well-being, give us a sense of purpose and meaning, and improve life satisfaction and so many other benefits. Sounds amazing. So can you tell us a little bit more about the benefits of awe? Yeah, so several studies have actually induced what we call awe experiences in humans and found that in general, awe can make people feel more pro-social so that they feel more connected with others. And this makes them more generous and compassionate. And following this, it also makes people more likely to identify with universal categories, like being a human, rather than an individualistic identity, like I am Clara. A study showed that people who stood among awe-inspiring eucalyptus trees mm-hmm. <laughs> and then were presented with a situation where the experimenter dropped a couple of pens, those who experienced awe were more likely to pick up more pens for the experimenter, so show compassion, than those who just stared into a scene of buildings, which isn't as awe-inspiring. And awe can also inspire creativity, curiosity, improve critical thinking, and skepticism about arguments, and decrease materialism. For example, a study showed that After experiencing awe, people were less likely to put in effort to get money. Mm -hmm. So they made people listen to some horrible sounds in order to get a monetary reward. And after people had experienced awe, they were less likely to want to experience these horrible sounds Mm -hmm. to get get the money. Interesting. Related to this, some other studies have showed that people who were told to write about a time when they experienced awe, reported a greater willingness to volunteer their time to help a charity rather than compared to people who had just written about a time they experienced happiness. Mm -hmm. Um, And so this is also important 
to highlight that awe seems to be this really unique state of being or combination of emotions, I guess, that differs from just general positive emotions like joy or contentment. There was a paper in 2007 that outlined three main qualities of awe that make it different from positive emotions. The first one is that awe should be elicited by information-rich stimuli rather than a material or social reward. The second one is that awe should be self-diminishing. So they introduced this concept of the small self, which is exactly what it sounds like, where, as I mentioned earlier, it makes you feel small compared to the vastness of the world or what you experience. Whereas other positive emotions tend to be self-focused or self-enhancing, like pride or, you know, ego-boosting positive experiences. And the third difference is that dispositional awe-proneness, so how likely you are to experience awe on like a daily basis, should be associated with how willing you are to modify or revise your mental structures or schemas or beliefs, in other words. But other positive emotions don't necessarily show this association, probably because they rely more on like the external rewards or uh, forces that induce them. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting. Relating to, I guess, compassion and smallness of self, etc. Um, Erlen Kedge also speaks about that a lot in his book, Silence in the Age of Noise. And I think silence and meditation in that sense has some parallels with awe and so he talks about how he prefers to experience satisfaction that travels from the body to the head and not the other way around in in the sense of like he he uses exercise and trekking as an example where it's like from the body to the head external experiences towards inwards feelings as opposed to like instant gratification being stuck in like a dopamine loop and like a social media addiction where it's more catering to the larger egotistical self yeah that that makes sense it's like it's kind of reminds me you know of that time we were in the color episode the Uh philosophy of color where we just said oh yeah we as humans are just a vessel of information to pass through and it kind of makes you like helpless and just allowing yourself to surrender to the vastness of everything that exists yeah it's kind of like that idea when you're when you let yourself get out of your head, mm-hmm. in a way. Yeah, loosen the grip on the control that you have in life. And yeah, yeah. I think when you realize that you're in a more peaceful and um, meditative state. Yeah. Before like coming across the concept of awe, I was very aware of it through my own experiences because I experience awe all the time. And I realized it's what fuels my whole life and being and existence. Like that is actually why I... I'm so interested in science because it's that feeling of when you're reading about something so magnificent and the way that this neuron works is just so incredibly remarkable that you your brain just explodes and you lose your sense of self you're just so focused on the neuron or whatever you're looking at right and like when we're patching neurons mm-hmm. and we're looking under a microscope and you're just like wow this neuron has a behavior of its own <laughs> but besides neurons I've also experienced this like in the mountains when I'm going hiking or whatever and I love that feeling of vastness of just like being in nature which is I think the greatest inducer of awe Mm -hmm. like it just has that natural effect of course we talk about all the positive effects of nature being in nature all the time and I think this is a huge one like Mm -hmm. just seeing yourself as being part of the greater 
yeah. nature. Yeah, and I think um, in preparation for this episode, you sent me an article that I read a little bit, but combined to that, I've received other posts and stuff from friends that the key message is basically if we stop and look at life with a different perspective, the day-to-day mundane things can become so precious, like having a cup of tea and um, reading a little bit of your favorite book or just small moments that can make, I think, the day-to-day mundane more transcendental if you so choose it to be. Yes, yeah, yeah, definitely. And this also links to something I read that they looked at who was more likely to experience dispositional awe, so again, like day-to-day awe, and found that it was associated with so-called positive character traits, such as gratitude and also open-mindedness was a huge one and so linked to like awe proneness being associated with a willingness to modify our mental structures there's really this key concept of people who are more open-minded are more likely to have awe experiences Mm -hmm. so what is the evidence or like what is the scientific effect of awe on ourselves So there's a huge figure in the field, Um, I think potentially one of the leading figures, is Dacher Keltner, who is a professor of psychology at the University of Berkeley in California. And he's also written a a book on all the new science of everyday wonder and how it can transform your life, which I haven't read, but I have listened to the On Being podcast episode where he was interviewed. So in 2003, him and Jonathan Haidt presented a conceptual approach to awe and ever since then have used that approach to study awe in humans. And they suggested that all forms of awe involve two main elements, the first one being perceived vastness, which we've spoken a lot about, and the second one being the need for accommodation, which is linked to this kind of open-minded plasticity that I was talking about which is the idea that when an experience violates our expectations, it forces us to reconceptualize our framework for understanding the world. And this creates a need for cognitive realignment. And so it's kind of like the expansion of your frame of reference that is induced by these awe experiences, which is again related to our small self and the shrinking of the self in relation to the world. Mm And they also suggested that in terms of evolution, because you always need to consider evolution, (laughs) awe may have evolved because it helps to promote connectedness with others, which promotes social cohesion, but it also promotes a reverence or respect for leaders in our society, which also promotes social cohesion. And the experience of awe may also be adaptive because it encourages this cognitive accommodation, which I kind of view as like a type of plasticity, Uh, to our environments which help us to navigate the world and also important to say like I think as far as my human consciousness can know awe is quite a human specific emotion because it drives innovation as well and a lot of human culture is based on innovation Mm -hmm. yeah that's really interesting and related to the smallness of self so they did this fMRI study where they presented different types of videos to subjects, human subjects. So one was meant to be an awe-inspiring video, another one was to induce positive emotions, and the other one was neutral. And they had to, in two different conditions, in one of the the cohort, they had to count how many times in the awe-inspiring videos 
they had like a perspective shift and then the other one they could just be absorbed in it and just view the video mm -hmm. and what they saw is that there was less activity in the default mode network in the absorbed condition watching the awe-inspired videos so when they were just immersed in the videos which is consistent with the hypothesis that experiencing awe is associated with reduced self-referential processing because quieting the DMN is associated with self-narrative and so there's a reduction in mind-wandering and spontaneous self-reflective thought which coincidentally is also what happens when you take certain psychedelics mm, right yeah and so instead of taking psychedelics you can just immerse yourself in transcendental awe-inspiring experiences well if you think about a psychedelic experience it is awe-inspiring yeah. because it literally puts you in a state where you're just in wonder of everything because mm -hmm. it's so different from your normal experience of the world that you're yeah. just like wow mm -hmm. so it's the same yeah it's yeah similar <laughs> yeah um and then also coupled to this when the subjects that were asked to count how many times there was a perspective shift and these were called the analytical conditions the frontoparietal network was more activated which underlies captivating immersive attention so to sum up in the default mode network there was less activity when the subjects were observing the uninspired videos in comparison to the other videos and for the frontoparietal network it was more active during the analytical task during the uninspired video compared to the rest of the videos Yeah, and so since the DMN is involved in self-reflective thoughts while the frontoparietal network is involved in attention, it suggests that awe increases attentional engagement, which makes sense because wonder and mm -hmm. intrigue, but it reduces like self-referential processing. And I think they also found that this was related to subjective self-report measures where participants again, perceived their self to be smaller, yeah, after watching all videos. Mm -hmm. So that basically affirms what we know about awe from psychological studies, which I think is useful. Other than that, I didn't really find many other neuroscience studies on awe, but I did find one study by Jennifer Steller and others in 2015 where they found that they tried to associate positive emotions with the amount of cytokines, which are chemical messengers that are produced by cells when tissue is damaged. And they elicit an inflammatory response, which is necessary for fighting disease or trauma. But sustained high levels of cytokines have been associated with several um, chronic disorders like type 2 diabetes or cardiovascular disease, Alzheimer's disease, and even clinical depression. And they found that out of all of the positive emotions that were measured, which included joy, contentment, pride, and awe, awe was the strongest predictor of reduced levels of these pro-inflammatory cytokines. And they suggested that the relationship is likely bidirectional, where if you have fewer, less inflammation, less cytokines, you're more likely to experience awe. And then when you experience awe, it decreases the levels of these inflammatory cytokines. So um, I thought that was really interesting in terms of how awe may lead to these positive effects on health and lifestyle. Yeah, really interesting. Linked to the health benefits, yeah. a recent study in 2022 by, again, Dacher Keltner's group. Mm -hmm. It's called Big Smile, Small Self, 
all walks promote pro-social positive emotions in older adults. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so what they did is they got healthy participants that were aged between 60 and 90 years old and they implicated like an intervention where they went on weekly 15 minute outdoor walks that they called all walks (laughs) 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 perfect (laughs) for eight weeks and then they compared participants who took control walks where they didn't take the time to kind of look around and experience awe as much Mm -hmm. And then they asked people to take photographs of the walks that they went on, but also of themselves on the walks. And afterwards, they did some questionnaires to test what emotional state they were in. And they found that people who went on the all walks, they exhibited this smaller self again, in terms of the photographs that they took of themselves, which I think is really interesting, Mm. whereby over time, the photos they took of themselves had a smaller proportion of the photo being themselves and a larger Mm. proportion of the photo being the background of like nature yeah yeah and I think it's pretty cool they could actually quantify this Mm -hmm. um as a measure of awe I guess yeah and then also people who took awe walks reported greater joy and pro-social positive emotions during their walks and they displayed an increased smile intensity over the study. Oh, that's so cute. I want to see how they quantified smile intensity. I know. <laughs> and then outside of the walk context, participants who took the all walks reported greater increases in daily pro-social positive emotions and decreases in daily distress over time. So this is all evidence that we should take the time to go on a walk and experience awe to improve our mental health. Nice, yeah. So when preparing for this episode, of course, me and my interest on philosophy, I came across this Irish philosopher, Edmund Burke, and he makes a distinction between separating the beautiful and the sublime into their own respective categories. Oh, I saw that, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I think it's interesting, his, uh, I guess definition where according to Burke the beautiful is something that is well formed and aesthetically pleasing which I guess aesthetics is also another topic of debate Mm -hmm. Um, and then he says that the sublime is that which has the power to compel and destroy us wow which I think is a very interesting definition of the uh, sublime sounds like love (laughs) <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but I think it's interesting how so far in the episode, when we speak about awe, it's and the transcendentalness of awe is always something very positive. But I find it interesting that in in his definition, when he talks about the sublime, which I'm comparing to awe, which I think has a lot of similar symptoms, um, he describes it as having the power to compel and destroy us, which I think is true I think that is true actually because of what we were saying about the cognitive realignment Mm -hmm. like in order to embrace awe which is also why people who are more open-minded and also people who have a greater appreciation for beauty Mm -hmm. are more likely to experience awe and so it's like because of awe forcing us to redefine ourselves that's kind of like the 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 destroying part of that like the compelling is like drawing our attention to it which as we just discussed with the fMRI study our attention to stuff that is on-using increases and then the destroying is like the destruction of self the quieting Ooh. of the DMN I love that interpretation yes yeah 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 I was I was thinking more along the lines of like if you're in the mountains or uh, you know looking onto the sea something so much greater and powerful than you that could 
you know, it could destroy you. Yeah. So, like, like you could drown in the sea, you know, yeah. you could fall down a mountain. But that's why it's, like, the shrinking of the self yeah. as well. Yeah. It's not a physical destroying. Yeah. But it is a psychological destroying, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And along similar lines, so I love Oscar Wilde. And uh, the preface for his book on the picture of Dorian Gray is is such a beautiful passage. I'm, I'm not going to read it all, but I think there's some really interesting lines that I wanted to point out, which I guess relates to art and self and awe. It's not exclusively related to awe. But he says that the 19th century dislike of realism is the rage of Caliban seeing his own face in a glass, and the 19th century dislike of romanticism is the rage of Caliban not seeing his own face in a glass. And I, when I was reading about the sublime and awe, it inspired a lot of new art, this neoclassical art that was a competition to the romantic era art. And so I think it's interesting, this contrast in terms of like our own reactions related to the same consequence, so Caliban not seeing his own face in the glass, and the two different responses to it, whether it's a dislike of realism or a dislike of romanticism. Interesting. So, like, the shift from realism to romanticism, you're relating, through these words, to a difference in in our, our perception of ourselves. And, and in the appreciation of the environment. Or, or the, out, the different outlooks that we have. Mm-hmm. So, for example, instead of appreciating the realism or the romanticism for what it is, um, as a society, we tend to not be content with whatever era we're in. And so, in this case, he's saying the 19th century dislike of realism is the rage of Caliban seeing his own face in the glass. So, in the 19th century, those who detested realism detested it for this specific reason, yeah. Um, but at the same time, they also weren't content with the romanticism. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm just relating that to the different perspectives that we can have in life. And like you said, it's a mental shift that we can choose to do um, and about being more open-minded. So, And then he also says, All art is at once surface and symbol. Those who go beneath the surface do so at their own peril. Those who read the symbol do so at their own peril. It is the spectator and not life that art really mirrors. Mm. Um, and I really like that. Yeah, I think it's also interesting how like the the history of art, mm-hmm. which I don't know much about, but like the different movements and their chronological order, how that was so influenced by shifts in how humans as a society kind of view ourselves. Mm. Like the shift from just depicting everything as it is to then questioning that and then exploring a kind of more idealistic way of being and then shifting that into a more abstract representation of what could be and just yeah yeah that that mirroring of human consciousness and experience through art as an outcome yeah and i like that he seems to appreciate the beauty not only on the surface but symbolism level so in terms of awe we can appreciate the awe of something on the surface level or perhaps on a more transcendental level when we look deeper into the symbolism of it. Mm. Also interesting that awe experiences are likely to influence a piece of art Mm -hmm. like awe experiences are likely to be the initiating thing that induces an artist to create art Mm -hmm. and then art is an awe inducing experience of its own for others who view it Mm -hmm. so it is like a 
self-perpetuating cycle of spreading awe in the world, Yeah, which I think is a perfect place to end today's episode. And I really do, after kind of reflecting on awe in this way, I do believe that there's hope for a better humanity through awe Mm -hmm. because it promotes this social cohesion and this compassion for others. It induces better moral behavior and appreciation for beauty that comes along with all of these positive things like gratitude and compassion and generosity And I think that is the way that our society can actually improve. Mm -hmm. And so it's this so powerful force of a way of being, which is why I said that by the end of the episode, you'll understand why awe is the most important, powerful state of being that there is. I love it. So let me know if you agree and what awe experiences you've had or how awe has shaped your life. And we'd like to thank you for listening to this episode. If you enjoy it, do feel free to share it on social media and tag us. We're on Twitter, Instagram. Thank you for listening.